little cuss. She doing this. She came with me. She's with me. I carried a watermelon. This is my dance space, that's yours. Let's cha-cha. Don't look down. Hello, hello! I'm Katie, and welcome to Retromade, your pop culture rewind. Are you ready for another trip down memory lane? I hope you're as excited as I am to cover Patrick Swayze's most famous role. Today, we're going to travel back to August of 1987 to discuss the surprising mega hit that is Dirty Dancing and all the other goings on at the time. I could not be more thrilled to have Lauren Kelly and Sarah Royal from Enough Wicker a Golden Girls podcast here with me today. I even have my shirt on. Thank you so much for joining me. Tell us about Absolutely. your show. We're so excited to be here. It's great. Lauren, why don't you take the spiel away? Sure. Uh, so thank you so much for having us. We are both so excited to be here with you and also to talk about this, this movie, which I haven't seen in so long, and now I'm really ready to talk about it. Uh, we are from Enough Wicker, as Katie said. Enough Wicker is the scholarly Golden Girls podcast. And there are many great Golden Girls podcasts out there. Uh, a lot of you probably know. Um, but what makes our show a little bit different is that we try to get into the academia of the show and, you know, talk about the uh, social implications of the themes that they cover. Also, we do often quote different episodes out of context because we are Golden Girls fans at heart. And you can check us out. We're actually in the seventh season, so we're closing in on the end there. Um, and it's been great. Sarah, anything else that I miss? No, I think you nailed it. I think what's really exciting is thematically a lot of the things that we talk about and a lot of what the Golden Girls covers and obviously the same time period that they exist in this um, art. There's going to be a lot of overlap here, I think, which is really cool. Yes, agreed. And to that point, there's a tie-in. At least I can think of a specific episode in the Golden Girls when Dirty Dancing came out. Indeed. And there was this craze. And so Blanche and Rose are dancing in the living room. There's probably some other ones, but that's the definite one that I can think of. It's, it's actually not back. from this movie. It's from Lawrence of Arabia. Just <laughs> That was a nice nugget for all you Golden Girls. <laughs> and but yes, Jerry Orbeck. Good point about Jerry Orbach. Yes, I kind of forgot he was in the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's definitely like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I knew him from the Golden Girls, but I feel like most people know him from like Law and Order, like yep. Dirty Dancing or something. And yeah. um, it was funny to rewatch this because I didn't look anything, like I had seen it, but I didn't look anything up about it before. It's been probably 15 plus years since I've watched it. So everybody that came up besides Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, really, I was like, oh, my God, they're in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Which, Wayne which we'll Knight, get into. Who's just yeah, Wayne Knight, yeah. Who plays the same character, turns out, everywhere. Kelly Bishop, all of them. So many. Yes. Yes. Well, in order to get into the mindset of 1987, 
let's open the time capsule from August of 1987. And we'll start with some popular primetime TV, according to Nielsen ratings, in addition to the Golden Girls. So let's see, when was the Golden Girls? Was it 85 to 92? What were the years? 80, you are okay. correct. Literally every episode that I do that falls into that time period, the Golden Girls is listed as one of the top Nielsen rated shows. So Absolutely. it's friggin' awesome. <laughs> we love that. Exactly. And in addition to that, we have The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Ooh. Murder, She Wrote, Night Court, Growing Pains, Moonlighting, and Who's the Boss? So those were the really popular ones. Man, now, I know you guys so are a little bit younger, probably. Do you remember watching any of those shows? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I was three in 1980, so I was not watching all of them actively, but who's the boss super big favorite they would play oh, same one like it was on in the middle of the morning i guess in the reruns or something like later in the 80s and early 90s mm -hmm. it was my like stay home six show <laughs> whenever I, I was homesick we had my grandmother i guess had given us like an old black and white tv set and it was the perk of me being homesick that i got to bring it upstairs adjust the antenna like sit and watch tv in my room which was insane to me <laughs> nice not you know now like i can watch tv wherever on my phone but uh it it was so cool so who's the boss was definitely my like favorite show and also fun story about tony danza one of my best friends from high school was absolutely obsessed with him like through this show like kind of like half like almost surrogate father half, like she had a crush crush yeah we won't explore that typical. that's yeah. another podcast yeah. yeah exactly yeah that is a whole nother podcast but yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously but but strangely in high school he came to do like a one-man show in Allen. no sorry easton pennsylvania just the border of new jersey and we lived in sort of western new jersey at the time so my mother's like friend's brother owned the theater was the manager of the theater or something i wrote this letter a full-on handwritten letter to tony danza to ask if i could wish her happy birthday on stage explaining that she loved him and all this other stuff i got a phone call from his manager saying we have the letter thank you so much go talk to the stage lady you know to so that we can like say hello because like want to be invited backstage the best thing right? i love surprises i love pulling it off we sit through the whole show which mind you you know we're 17 everyone in there is over 70 yeah yeah we had a tough time going down the stairs because everyone needed to have assistance. Anyway, the whole show, nothing happens. He doesn't say anything. There's so many great opportunities to like, he starts talking about birthdays. He starts talking about like Italian oh last God. name. She has this crazy Italian last name. All of these ways. And we finally go out dismayed. And my friend, of course, doesn't know anything that's going on. And she's like, let's go get autographs, you know, go stand outside with everybody. And I was like, all right, I'm trying to find the manager lady I'm supposed to talk to. Nothing. And we stand outside with all the other shows. And some guy's like, I've been here for 45 minutes, you know. And finally, this woman comes out, looks right at me, and she goes, how many people in your party? And I was like, oh. And she's like, come with me. The guy who had been there for 45 minutes was like, oh, I've been here for so long. Why do you get picked? And I go, because I wrote a letter. And then he, we saw him privately. He sang a birthday song to her. He apologized for forgetting to do it on stage. And then, like, pictures and hugs and everything. It was the coolest thing. That's amazing. What did he look like? Really cool. Did he look? He looked exactly like, the same. 
and he i mean yeah. he's older obviously from yeah. yeah from who's the boss but yeah he was like super fit you know he's small and like kind of petite but like you know very muscular he was really cool he was a great guy that's amazing i'm very jealous because i love me some tony danza there you mm -hmm. go there you go and Mona like taking cameo after, uh, you know, Sophia on the Golden Girls. All the time. Yes. Oh, Mona was my favorite character, I think. But that was like cameo before cameo. Right? Totally. Cute, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to pay anything, though. Just the postage yeah. of the letter. Okay. <laughs> Your time in writing the letter. <laughs> my time. <laughs> in addition to the popular Nielsen rated, we have some premieres that I thought were notable. Married with Children. This is 1987. I don't realize that it was that far back. Then yeah. also Full House, 21 Jump Street, mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. Do you guys remember this short-lived show with, I think it was Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton? Yes, Do you I guys remember this at all? Promotional no. poster. You don't remember this, Lauren? Oh it was short-lived. And he had like a beast-looking makeup or prosthetic something or whatever to make him look like a beast. It was anyway. so weird. It was weird. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, Everybody listening, just go look it up right now. Yeah, yeah it's even weirder than I remember. I'm going to be out. A Different World, Unsolved Mysteries, debuted in 87, wow. apparently. Degrassi High, which I remember from, I think we watched those episodes in school. Did you guys? Oh, interesting. Wow. No, I didn't realize Some it came on that early, though. That was on for so long. My Two Dads, which was fun. And then there were a couple of MTV shows, Remote Control and Headbangers Ball, oh, which yeah. I actually referenced in my last episode about because we talked about the birth of MTV because we were in 1981. So those two yeah. shows we talked about last time. Uh, so Remote Control was a game show. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. that. Yeah, Remote Control is big. A lot of people yeah. like came through on Remote Control, I feel yeah. like. Like MTV, yeah. like BJs and like celebrities yep they did and then star trek the next generation and the geraldo talk show debuted in 87 yeah <laughs> and then some notable finales are the a team hill street blues silver spoons and give me a break with nell carter so mm -hmm. those ended in 87 did i miss anything that you guys were watching that weren't listed i know i got 87 but you know reruns or something from like back in the day are we doing cartoons yet because I was not three. yet, not yet. Because that was really my wheelhouse then. So no, yes. I just when you, with everything that you listed, I just wanted to put in another plug for Family Ties. I love that show. I thought that was great so show. good, yeah. so good. What about you, Lauren? I also was a big Family Ties fan. I was really. I feel like all of these shows I caught in like their when they were in syndication, either on Nick at totally. Night or uh, I think it was called Fox Family at the time. Was that? channel that doesn't exist anymore but they would oh, show family ties yeah. specifically i was sure uh i loved growing pains which i at this point i don't think i can really mess with because it was oh i know name kirk cameron uh, <laughs> oh. but i did love it at the time and i loved uh, one, one more I, growing pains the dream of my lifetime was to have an apartment above the garage yeah. like he had in that final piece <laughs> so growing so up it was thousand square feet or something insane for like, yeah. like bigger than most people's apartments or bigger than my yeah. apartment right now yeah. absolutely <laughs> were they in connecticut or something where was that set i feel like Feels it was right. somewhere over there that does feel right yeah, yeah. 
Um, that was who's the boss, actually. I think that was Connecticut. Yeah, yeah you're right. You totally. Blue right van driving through the. the back. Um, you know, Full House was so so big. I feel like it was because Mary Kate and Ashley were. I was like prime age for when they were famous when they were little. Okay. Um, and my cousins and I were all so really like you got bought it, the dude. videos so into oh, it gosh. yeah and like they had those mystery like uh the murder mystery videos and so, so i feel like this is like they're you know they're so young at this point but i feel yeah. like even a, and john samuel's like what a baby yeah. what a baby no kidding he's better looking now i think yeah i think it was Crazy. the mullet kind of got me back and i was like no thanks he turned yeah. it down yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. He just keeps getting better. So, okay, well, there are some standouts from Saturday morning. So cartoons, Care Bears, Muppet Babies, Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and Pee-wee's Playhouse were some of the big ones. Were you guys watching those at all? Oh, yeah. Love the Muppets. For sure. Muppets was my fave, too. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. What about, was Thundercats earlier? It was earlier. It was earlier. Yeah, it was earlier. Yeah, what popped into my mind immediately at this time but i love that. um but you might have seen reruns or whatnot and then in so some of the finales so these might have been some earlier shows and they ended in 87 pound puppies my little pony mm. berenstein bears tra- and the transformers those all ended as did fraggle rock which mm. i think was on hbo or something i never saw fraggle rock it was on like a pay channel that we didn't get and zoobly zoo those ended never even heard of that last one i've heard of it but i don't think i've seen it <laughs> and then the ones that so teenage mutant ninja turtles oh yeah and ducktales premiered in 87 so good so good some of the best theme songs to ever exist oh yeah um, but man, i watched in i think it was in high school or college we were like let's rewatch teenage mutant ninja turtles we loved it the pizza always looks so good let's eat pizza yeah. let's rewatch this <laughs> yeah. and i was like it felt like it was written for a three-year-old. Like it was really, it's that bad. I don't really remember What's... watching episodes of it. I mean, I watched it all the time. I was absolutely obsessed, especially when the live action movie came out and everything. At least at the time, I guess I my expectations were really high for the writing. And I was like, wow, this is really dumb. It's that happens when just you rewatch things. Yeah, you, sometimes you have to leave it there and it exactly. not go back. It taught to me it. a lesson. It taught me a very good uh, I feel like I don't I guess it wasn't eighty seven, but I was really into Rainbow Bright and Gem, the Ooh, Gem and the yeah. holograms. Yeah. Which I feel like were on I wasn't I was born in nineteen eighty nine, so I wasn't even alive for any of this. But I have a lot of older cousins who live like down the street from me. So I feel like I, I got into things that were like meant for kids a little bit older than me. Same. Um, I'm the youngest. You were yeah. The so I, all my boy cousins were really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and like I was like, yeah, I like them too, even though I honestly didn't like. I didn't really care, <laughs> but I wanted to be cool. Be cool. Um, I was like, what are Care Bears on? <laughs> I Care love speaking, Care Bears. So speaking obsessed. of things that were supposed to be for boys, which ugh. anyway, the real Ghostbusters. I, I look like oh. it premiered a year before. Mm-hmm. And that was like all of like my next door neighbor was an only child and he every toy everything that's how i watched nickelodeon <laughs> all the cable channels everything we had the pack things where like the proton pack had like a you nerf did? tube yeah cool. oh my God. i did he had two so that like him and a friend could play because that's what happened in this house <laughs> but 
having friends that are only children they had the best toys yeah Yeah. are you an only child lauren no but my brother's like six and a half years younger than me and i on my dad's side i was the only grandchild for a long time so i feel like i was like kind of got that treatment yeah yeah but then on the other side i had a lot of cousins and nobody super cared that i was even around so it was a good balance yeah Uh, so the other show that premiered, although not in the U.S., was Garbage Pail Kids. Wow. Do you remember? <laughs> Classic. There was the, there was I just remember the, the cards. cards. Yeah, me too. Same. Because, so apparently. That was like money in was, elementary school. <laughs> CBS removed the series from their schedule in the U.S. So it wasn't even on in the U.S. Following protests from like all these action children's, you know, Christian leaders for responsible television. So that kind of stuff. Oh, it doesn't so sound familiar CBS... at all. I'm so no. glad we've left that world behind. Wow. Like lowbrow cabbage patch kids. They were exactly. But so CBS removed it. That pressure was too much for them. Whoa. What a yeah. bunch of wieners. Yeah. I know. Let's move on to music. Yeah. So <laughs> the top five billboards in this week, August 21st, I think was... 1987 who's that girl by madonna there was also the movie which was so good you so guys, good. did you guys watch the movie so good maybe well i think i'll leave their own is like the best film that madonna's associated okay. with but i don't know actually i like all of madonna's movies i'm not a film critic obviously <laughs> madonna has a hit movie <laughs> i remember the cougar or the cat very vividly in that movie but yeah. who's that girl and then La Bamba by Los Lobos. Mm. And that movie was actually released almost exactly a month before Dirty Dancing. So this was a big time for music and movies, apparently. Yeah, for La sure. Bamba was great. Interesting. Then it's such, a, three, it's such a staple. It seems so weird. Oh, it's like, it makes her brace it. Back its audience. Have you guys heard of Suzanne Vega? Yeah, yeah. Tom Sinan. Yes. So I had never heard. So she has the number three song this week called Luca, which I'd never heard of. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, my God, she's the same gal who sings Tom Steiner. That totally from Untamed Heart. That's how I know that song. And isn't it also isn't Tom Steiner actually the Seinfeld diner as well? The establishing shot. It's the same diner. Oh, really? Yes. Good. Which is supposed to be Monk's Cafe in Seinfeld. They don't actually film the interior of it, of course, because they filmed it in Los Angeles. But those New York people with the, the terrible cameras back then filmed it's the still up of that too. Restaurant. You can yes, my old office was one. like a few blocks. I think it's on like it's by Columbia. Yeah, maybe like one fifteenth in Broadway. Yeah, it's something like that. Very maybe. people. I think it's a big tourist spot. Yes. Yeah. All the Seinfeld fans. Yeah, I can see that. Then number four is "Don't Mean Nothing" by Richard Marks. And number five is George Michael's I Want Your Sex. That was such a big song. George Michael was great. Amazing. So good. I'm sure the Christian leagues didn't like him either. No. no, I don't think so. No, I would imagine no. For for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. (laughs) So they're like, we canceled Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. (laughs) I Want Your Sex is the time. It's fine. That's fine. We're not boycotting that. Yeah. Exactly. Because we have a lot to cover with Dirty Dancing, and there's three of us, I tried to keep the news to a minimum, but there are a couple pieces of news and events from this time. Michael Jackson's Bad video, which was directed by Martin Scorsese, apparently. Did you guys know that? I did. Wow. I did not. I didn't know know that. Do you know where it was filmed, Lauren? 
I would guess. Uh, I don't know. So Lauren and I live in Brooklyn, New York, and there is a subway station called Hoyt Sheberhorn. And there is one side of the station frustratingly closed, like forever. <laughs> and it's very frustrating when you're like waiting for another train. You're like, there's another track right there. What the heck? But there, I don't actually know the reason that it is closed off. However, because it is closed off, it has been for decades now, obviously, been used for several film projects. Oh. It was in the movie The Warriors, if anybody's seen that. It's also a super famous one. It was The Wiz in that really scary scene in the subway. But yeah, they filmed it there. And then actually Weird Al, when he did which was the parody, oh. he did <laughs> in the same subway station. Really? Oh, I, yeah, I love the Weird Al was a whole thing too. I love Weird Al. So that there was a TV special that that premiered on CBS and it was called Michael Jackson, The Magic Returns. So Bad debuted in 1987. And then John Huston died at the age of 81 in August of 1987. Before we get into the details of the movie, I had a couple of questions for you guys. I was trying to think of a picture it Sicily 1954 <laughs> type joke. But I couldn't tie one quite in. So just basic questions. So season one of Retromade is dedicated to what I consider the ultimate everyman, Patrick Swayze and Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. So do you have any thoughts or fandom of either of them? Either way, if not, that's fine, too. I mean, I probably gravitated towards Kurt Russell more, but... I can't even give you a really good reason why. Just because he was gruffer. Yeah. I'm a big fan of The Thing. I'm a big fan of Escape from New York. Because, I mean, much like we'll get into with Patrick Swayze's character's name and Dirty Nothing, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. Escape from New York. Kurt Russell's name is... <laughs> so that's the vibe I'm going with both of these guys. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but no, I mean, Patrick Swayze, he's always just... He is an everyman, right? He's just mm -hmm. sort of, he's just always been there as a comfort. Yeah. I don't know if it's because you group them together, but I also kind of feel like they look alike. And sometimes when I'm thinking about their movies, I like intersperse. Like I used to love Overboard when I was a kid, which also I've seen yes. recently. Not a great premise. <laughs> um, no, no. Oh, there's so many things that are problematic if you rewatch them now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, okay, so she's just holding her captive on a bow and she, a lot of it is troublesome, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I really loved it. Um, and I feel like sometimes when I'm thinking about that movie, I accidentally, like, lay Patrick Swayze's face over Kurt Russell and, like, same in some of uh, Swayze's roles. Um, but I really loved him. And I was like, I haven't seen this movie in so long. And I was just like, wow, I, he's just, like, so attractive. And, like, Jennifer Grey is also just so beautiful. Uh, but it's, like, striking. And it's like, so cheesy, like, when... We'll talk about him, I'm sure, but when he's wearing like the leather jacket and the sunglasses, it makes like a bit of Danny Zuko. Uh, oh. It really works. I'm really happy to uh, to have watched a movie with him. I I might have to make a repeating clip of you saying that you think they look alike <laughs> because it was literally going to be my next question. I have a side by side as the thumbnail for my trailer for season one. They Love look it. so much alike. Yeah. I think they very much do. And I ask, it's because you guys are women. Yeah. Women see it and men, for whatever reason, don't. All my previous guests, they're like, I don't, you're smoking crack, Katie. I, don't I know. saw, I was, and I was like, brutal. I'm going to push back on that. <laughs> I'm a I don't even so think it's much. Like, 
Yeah, I don't I'm, know. Sarah, I'm going to pull them it? up, Kurt. I'm going to pull them up side by side. Young, right? look at like similar age when they're similar. De- age. Yeah, yeah, definitely like their, the bone structure on yes. like especially yes. near their chin. I absolutely mm-hmm. can see that before even looking at an image. Like their but skin I tone, like, their hair, their bone so structure, their like body type. They're too, both honestly. beautifully. They're very nice to look at, both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, especially in the mullet phases, like mm-hmm. for sure, like same yeah. exact hair. Wow. Yeah, there you go. The um, going back to Snake and Kurt Russell's more gruff role, like now Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse just popped into, which is like. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it is. Uh, yeah, it's so <laughs> I mean, good. I mean, it's a terrible movie. But it's, it's, I love it. You know, it's good because it's terrible. But it's like, yes. and the ending is just like, what crack am I smoking? Anyway. The eighties. They do look alike. Yeah, the eighties. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You guys heard it here. Sarah and Lauren. It's very are on true. My side. It's very true. Yes, we are. Well, but honestly, ah, oh, man, if I have to, if I have to pick one, I still I'm a Kurt. Kurt? I'm calling it. Okay. Okay. Patrick has the slight edge for me, but I like them both. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. I think we should just end here. I want You're like, you got it. it. (laughs) We're wrapped. (laughs) Now, you both said it had been a long time since you'd seen Dirty Dancing. Do you remember your first, the first time you've seen it? I do. Because. You do? It was at a sleepover where we watched Flashdance, Footloose, and Dirty Dancing. I like and proceeded to uh, proceeded Trail to like you know basically rank them. I naturally went for Jennifer Beals. I was like, I don't even know the rest of the plot of Flashdance, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for that. <laughs> like that's my vote. Uh, but I love Dirty Dancing, and I actually like now I'm so curious to watch both of those other two movies because they're mm-hmm. so. I mean, they're similar. I feel like they're often grouped together, but yep. for me, it's like a very specific memory at uh, a girl I went to high school with, Maureen Slack, her house. And, you know, I don't know, it's like I had some nostalgia attached to it, for like being a teenage girl and like hanging out with your friends. And like it was very wholesome. We weren't it wasn't like a we were like drinking. Yeah, I think we were like, I don't know, 14. Uh, And everybody was like, oh, you know, they're all so cute. I I really feel nicely about that time. Um, And I think that probably it was on TV. I feel like a fair Mm -hmm. amount. So I've seen like bits and pieces, but I never thought of it as my favorite of those three. So I haven't gone back to it so much. I also love Ghost. So I feel like if I were going to watch, that would be the way I would go. Uh, Yeah, I I was in high school. Love that story. I remember the first time I watched it. I can't remember. Definitely remember the last time I watched it, I rewatched Dirty Dancing and Pretty Woman. I was like, wow, Dirty Dancing holds up like way more. I just yeah. couldn't get past oh. arrangement and Pretty Woman of just not even not because like I mean hey sex work is work I'm just like she got ripped off so that deal <laughs> was wasn't a good deal. deal yeah exactly you're like wait how much is your rate an hour this is yeah insane. anyway <laughs> so, he was buying in bulk uh, yeah. though I think that was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. she needs an account Either way, I'm also like I'm a much bigger Patrick Swayze fan than I am a Richard Gere fan, so it was, oh, this same. one had the edge for sure. Wow! Um, and I'm so I was surprised in this rewatching. So much of it holds up. So much are themes that unfortunately we've had to circle back around in our American society, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but it was, and it was a nice like nostalgia hit for for a time I didn't exist in. It was lovely reflection. Oh, I just want to go to the Catskills. Oh. I mean, for real. Oh, we got to get. Have it. you guys been since you're from over there? 
I have Catskills, but not to proper resort because do they even exist anymore? Probably they don't. No, not no. like this. But the Catskills like- in general is kind of this vibe. Like I actually feel like this- I love when movies or TV shows like you can see that somebody like went to the area and like, scouted it out. And this place where like rich parents would go with their kids and like kind of pawn them off, you know, but I don't know. It just feels so right for the area. Um, and the Catskills yeah. are they're beautiful and uh, there's like a restaurant scene. And it, mm. I feel like it's not just like the woods, which is like what I, I imagined before mm-hmm. I have been there. And it's like a little bit bougie even. That tracks, I think, yeah. with what I... Now, interestingly, when I was researching this, the those types of resorts that they called in the Borscht Belt, which I had actually mm. never even heard that term before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they didn't, they were more or less disappeared by 1987 when they were filming this because the movie set in the 60s. Totally. So they actually filmed in North Carolina and Virginia places mm. that they tried to kind of recreate the feel. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No establishing shots. The whole thing was North Carolina. I, I, that's possible. That's possible. That's interesting. It does. It looks yeah. like generic, yeah, woodsy area. Yeah, like woodsy. Like. Exactly. That's very fair. So when but I, yeah, the Borscht Belt, like I remember growing up and like, hearing about comedians, like smaller time comedians being referred to mm-hmm. as Borscht Belt comedians. You know, they would do like really? stuff. Well, yeah, the whole, you know, whatchamacallit, talent show and all the stage entertainment that they have, which is so fascinating to think about today right that you would be a paying guest and you'd listen to these jokers about their own resort but like they would have little comedians they would just do a circuit you know to do this supper club that supper club just the same as they do the dance at the other like the shells club. right i mean yeah yeah exactly and it's so fascinating to me that this whole world existed and like lauren said it was kind of bougie and like you have the one woman whose husband works and then she stays there all week and waits for him that was a huge, huge thing know where a bungalow bunny as, <laughs> yes. as she's referred to in the so, yeah but even like people with kids right like we're just like oh the husband would go work and you know do whatever in the city and then the wives it was too hot in the city for one mm. to stay. so if you had the ability to escape you would go upstate and then yeah. you would stay there you know all summer because the proposition the dance instructor it's totally normal yes, it's totally normal. <laughs> that sounds great i actually yeah. relate more to vivian now because i'm like dude johnny's hot yeah <laughs> get it girl <laughs> you guys i'm older than you so i think the first time i watched this movie was actually like when we got a vcr this was right. i think the first movie like our family watched wow. it on the chris and the, the vcr play t- yeah the tv was that like big piece of furniture you know, uh-huh. with the, do you guys, oh, yeah. did Bulky. you ever have that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Built so it was probably like a year or two after. So it was probably like an 89 or something, but I was pretty little, you know, but everything goes over your head that you don't. It is so expl- like the truly the movements like the in the Golden Girls, like they talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I guess I, I just like hadn't seen it. And I assumed it was like, you know, like Mambo, but it's so textualize the movements um and i know that it's like my notes like this dancing is quite dirty it's uh time yes (laughs) yeah i was shocked your whole family katie you're just like yeah that's what i'm thinking of i'm you know like six or seven maybe eight maybe when i watched it but i totally didn't understand i'm like what's wrong with penny like in my head (laughs) i had of course no idea yeah so well, let's get into Dirty Dancing, shall we? The detail. 
Woo! the movie. Now, I, if it's not made clear, it's in my all-time top five list. Love it. Amazing. I, I, lo- I, act- I love it. And I think for a lot of people, it's kind of in that. Like, if you're on a desert island and you can only take so many movies, I feel like this is one people would take. Definitely. Well, I would certainly take the soundtrack. The soundtrack. Oh, so good. Every it won less. tons of awards. It, yeah, it is. I think it's like maybe the best soundtrack ever. It's, it's or in the pro- top three. Really, for sure. Every single Absolutely song. Top, every single one. It's insane. That's that My first note is, God, the soundtrack rules. Oh, as soon yeah. as the songs start playing, I was like, oh, that's like, that's more poignant to me. I have listened to the soundtrack 4,870 yeah, times and probably only seen the movie about four. So it's just okay. it's such a part of well, I've become over time more of an Otis Redding and Solomon Burke fan. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, this is all the so 60s good. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's. Yeah, this is now so a karaoke good. show. So we're not going to yeah. talk about the movie. We're just going <laughs> to yeah. sing the soundtrack. Well, you guys go ahead. I you Nobody wants me to sing. <laughs> it's PG-13. I kind of thought it was R, but it's PG-13. Mm-hmm. Be August fair. 20- they do at the time. The sex scene. Yeah, there's no like real sex. That is true. That's true. I was it's actually really explicit. Fun. Me too. I was really excited for it. And then I was like, shit. Actually, there was, I think, like one of the early screening, this that scene that leads up to it, like their first night, that really hot yeah. cry to me, like one oh, of yeah. the hottest scenes ever. God, that scene was good. Mm-hmm. But they apparently tested it where Jennifer Grey was nude, but oh. it, the testing did not go well. So oh. that's why she's clothed, What does that mean? Then, I know. I'm like, that could either be... Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know it's just like I sure. bet it's that audience body like, judgment turned on her. Not even because of that, but they. Oh. I feel like it was like I don't know. Even though obviously, like it's heavily implied, if not like said outright, but like I bet that is rooted in some sort of misogyny of like. Oh, I'm sure that girl's of a hussy. Yeah. Shoot your shoot For yourself sure. in the dick to make your point. You know. <laughs> No, I will not want to see a gorgeous young woman. Yeah, Justice very much America. <laughs> well, let's get it's into a... that, too. We have a lot yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's get through some of the details because then there's so much. So it's only a seven on IMDb, which I actually thought was kind of low. Interesting. The The creators were all pretty novice. So Emil Ardolino was the director who was also from Sister Act, Three Men and a Little Lady. And he did some other dance Themed movies for which he won an Oscar oh. for a uh, best feature documentary. And then the writer was Eleanor Bergstein, who this was kind of loosely, she wrote the story and she grew up going in the 60s, going to the Catskills with her family. And she was even nicknamed Baby until she was in her 20s, no. I guess. So, so very, yeah, like, that's fun, the autobiographical yeah. component. The summer I. When everybody called me baby and it didn't occur to me to mind. <laughs> well, so that's Jennifer Grey, baby. Frances Hausman is Jennifer Grey. Patrick Swayze plays Johnny Castle, which is a great name, to your point, so cool. Sarah. So cool. Jerry Orbach Royal. plays the dad, Dr. Jake Hausman. Cynthia Rhodes is Penny. Jack Weston as Max Kellerman. Jane Brucker as Lisa, the sister. And this was her debut role. Kelly Bishop, yeah, Kelly Bishop as Marjorie, the mom, Lonnie Price as Neil Kellerman, Max Cantor as Robbie, 
Neil Jones as Billy, who I also had a crush on. I thought Billy was adorable as well. Cute. Totally. Wayne Knight, who everyone knows, has since, I don't think he was anybody at the time. Newman from Seinfeld. He was, he had a name. I don't recall it being said in the movie, but it's Stan, the activities uh -huh. director. And then the bungalow bunny, Vivian, <laughs> is played by Miranda Garrison. The music and choreography, Kenny Ortega, who was trained by Gene Kelly, choreographed yeah. the dancing. And the score was composed by John Morris and Jimmy Lenner, along with help from Bergstein's personal music collection, which I thought that was also great. Oh, cool. Um, they, she, he was the that music supervisor. Cool. So this movie won a crap ton of awards for the music. Yeah. So like Oscar wins, AMAs. Golden Globes. The movie won a Golden Screen Award. There was an Independent Spirit Award for first. So Emil Ardolino, the director, this was his first feature film, and he won an award for that. And so then there was a TV Land Award. And then tons of other Grammy nominations, Golden Globe nominations. As we talked about the music being awesome, most of the awards and accolades were for the music. Interesting. Yeah, that I feel yeah. like I, I love a musical, like a true musical movie and I this is obviously not exactly that but I sort of put it in the same category I think because the soundtrack goes so hard and also because music plays such a prominent role obviously uh in not in the dance scenes but also like, even in like the more like, emotional sad scenes I feel like the music is so prominent and so well used yes. that like it doesn't surprise like I, I, the movie by itself is great, but I think like the music is uh, basically a supporting actor in it. Um, and I'm sure Good that point. is what set it apart a lot. Hey, you That's can a count good way it as a regular it. musical with the Loverboy scene. It's true. I don't love that scene, obviously. It makes me very comfortable. <laughs> I just think he's so hot when he's laying down and like being like, of course, but it, I know, it's a cringe for me. <laughs> it made a ton of money. Two. $214.6 million was the wow. gross on a $6 million budget, like a crazy <laughs> low budget. It's crazy. Yeah. Was Patrick Swayze's salary half? <laughs> Jennifer I Ray got $25. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's actually some trivia about those two that we'll get to later. But if anybody needs a refresher about Dirty Dancing, the description is spending the summer at a Catskills resort with her family, Frances Baby Hausman falls in love with the camp's dance instructor, Johnny Castle. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. Do you guys have any favorite scenes or moments? Too many. No, I, do you want to go ahead? One go thing ahead. that really sticks out to me, because actually uh, I had a teacher in high school and we were learning about the Vietnam War. And there's a line in Dirty Dancing that it, it, she was like criticizing the line because it's actually incorrect. The Ho Chi Minh Trail did not divide. That was the, the parallel that DMC, the demilitarized zone. Uh, and I feel like that trivia fact has remained in my head forever. And so I was so <laughs> excited for that line to come up. And I also love Lisa. I love when she's like uh, on stage. I feel like she's like a little bit, of, not exactly a villain, but she, there's like some tension between them. Uh, but I really enjoyed her whenever she came on the, the screen. And I also have since watched Gilmore Girls since I've first seen the movie. And I love Kelly Bishop. Uh, so at the very end, when Kelly Bishop is, uh, you know, she's like, I think she got that for me. And she's like dancing. And uh, so those are like, the top uh, of the side characters. But, you know, obviously nobody puts baby in a corner. Like, come on. That is 
pop culture legend. Well, I, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that line because I want yeah that later. We'll go. We can. Were you well, going to go down w- the path of that Patrick Swayze actually hated the line? Oh well, he didn't want I mean, to do it. We could talk. About, yeah, we could talk about. That. I'm kind of on his side because to it's me, it's a bad line. It comes out of nowhere. But it comes out of nowhere. It just doesn't fit with what he thinks the parents are doing to her and to him. And in Mm -hmm. rewatching this this time, and apologies, this goes too deep because I know we're sort of recapping. It's he has actually pretty low self esteem. Like Johnny Castle is this cock of the walk that you Mm -hmm. one sort of expect him to be, and two, like at least I remembered him. He has a lot of these moments where he feels wholly inadequate. And that was actually surprisingly and refreshing to me. So like, I understand when he comes back in, but it's like, it's just like this misdirected. It would have been nice if it was a proper callback to someone actually putting her in a corner <laughs> metaphorically or really way earlier in the movie. But yeah. it's, it's kind of cheesy. But agreed. anytime you're in a corner, you say it. So I feel of like course. the cultural relevance continues. Well, that's it that's does. being a writer. There's so yeah. many lines that, are like, you know, especially from like talking about the Golden Girls, where people write lines and they're like, "This is going to be the one." People are going to remember this, and then nobody remembers that line, but they remember something else that's so silly, and that's the oft-quoted one, right? So, but yeah, tell me, Katie, what? So Patrick Swayze was not a fan. He hated it. He thought the same. He felt exactly like you. And it was hard for him to deliver the line, but they insisted. Probably somebody thought this is going to be a pop culture. I don't know. Yeah, and they were right, man. <laughs> they, they were right. But yeah, so yeah it is. It. And I think that's interesting that you bring up about like Johnny's self esteem because the I feel like that also is maybe why Dirty Dance is so celebrated yes. because it actually yes. is different from the trope of the hot masculine lead. Because yes. yeah, he feels bad about himself, and also he's like not a dick like at all ever really like even when he's like when they're having uh when he and baby are like having fights or or whatever he's never he's just like never doesn't do anything that can't be forgiven right exactly which is so untypical of the time Uh, and yeah he's a little down on himself and there are a couple times actually where i felt like they almost like reversed typical gender tropes uh where she's like building him up which is nice to see that. Uh, and so I, I feel like that sort of like that line, I'm sure, you know, with the rest of the performance, you could understand how that would take some of that away. Because it is silly. <laughs> yes, that's my point. It's not my most hated line of all time or something, but it does it did strike me as, okay, like this is the most famous one and it doesn't actually, it doesn't have the impact of delivery that it's like summing up moving towards this amazing ending that we all remember you know with the band it's just kind of like all right well it is it is because he's he basically does what he needed he needs to say that he learned from her and blah 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 and when he gets on stage and says the actual thing that summarizes the movie so it's kind of an unneeded (laughs) line but yeah it's very funny but can i talk about can i talk about my favorite scene though yes well i mean like so many favorite scenes, obviously, but what struck me again rewatching it this time was the fight scene when he fights with Rafi. And oh god, it's like it's so hot because he just goes, Hit me. Robbie <laughs> hits him as hard as he can. He just takes and then pops him right back, kicks him in the balls. Oh, god, it's, it's just like such a perfect combination of he is being this 
masculine ideal and he's also beating up the shittiest character in the movie who fully <laughs> deserves it and like everything about it is great and then the fact that everybody's on their little bungalow like porches <laughs> and it's just like a even... summer camp scene with adults yeah. but don't you think the best part was that he he has him on the ground he could totally pummel him oh, and yeah, he says absolutely. you're not worth it yeah exactly no oh. that's the i mean it's so great everything so about good. it plays out perfectly and that's the whole like he can be this quote-unquote macho jock but he makes the right decisions he's just mm -hmm. beating everybody up you know this isn't roadhouse okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and uh, because he's not this like toxic masculine guy we're very okay. endeared to him and when baby asks you know how many women she says in a weird way like how many women have you had or something like yeah. that and he takes offense to it and then he tells the story about women stuff he's like one day i'm eating jujubes and then i have women stuffing these rich women stuffing diamonds in my pockets and She's like, oh, I get it. I get it. You were using them. He said, they were using, using me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Great. great. But that's so like gender role reversal. A little bit. Um, and even when um, Vivian essentially propositions him, I feel like it's not very often that you, at this point in time, are seeing men in that position. And not to get too into it, but he does seem to feel a little uncomfortable and it's an uncomfortable situation to be in, especially if you're like to somebody else, you know. Uh, and I just, I think they actually, while still keeping it entertaining, not super, you know, gender studies focused film, like they do a good job at like, having that woven in throughout the, the plot. Yes. Uh, I feel like Patrick Swayze really also, he's, he's just such a good actor. He brings a lot of nuance in his response, um, which I don't feel like everybody would be able to do. It's a good point. I, yeah. You're right about that scene because, you know, she doesn't, like, force him to bed. Yeah. Like, but it is this proposition that is, like, she's heavily hitting on him because they've slept together before. Like, she assumes mm -hmm. things will... It feels like there is a statement there, which is very parallel to the classic conversations when talking about, like, rape culture, where, oh, well, you know, a woman propositioning a guy, get that, man. There's never anything... Yeah with that right like taking advantage of people or like groping people and you're just like no like this is actually kind of saying a statement that a man can be uncomfortable it's not just about sex with whomever right? or like this you know hot old lady like it's like he's still meanwhile she's probably piece. like 40 yeah I mean, yeah <laughs> oh i'm sure exactly yeah she's still damn but Yes, it's very well, strange. It's a very strange her. scene, and I think that they do a really good job, like you said, Lauren, with like, and he does a really good job of playing it. He does. I wanted to piggyback on that his nonverbal acting when the husband, her husband, gives him money, like, yeah. oh, give give my wife some more dance lessons, and he turns it away. He like the way that he clenches down on his teeth, and you can see yeah. like the, his jaw. Is he's so livid in that moment? I just thought it was great. Yeah. And then there's That's so much point. overt classism. Like the whole movie is just this like class divide. Yeah. Well, I Jerry Orbeck is like sitting looking at the lake and he's just like a little teary himself. Uh, and he's sympathetic. I love Jerry Orbeck so much. Like I yeah. will yeah. follow him anywhere. Yeah. But uh, it's so like rich guy tears. It's like, okay, I know. You're. Why are you upset? This like <laughs> makes no sense. His daughter's I not just, this perfect little angel. Yeah, I, that, that's why. I, that's why exactly. The world can be molded fully by you, sir. Um, but yeah, the most overt 
I think because it has to establish the vibe. The friend mm-hmm. of the class and the vibe is the scene in the restaurant in the beginning where, oh, yeah. and you're going to go to college, and here's the thing, and you grope their daughters, do whatever the fuck you want with them. And then the dance instructor crew comes in and we're like, dude, dude, we're poor and lower class, and they're like, don't fucking touch the girl. Yeah. Oh it was like, so really obscene. Yes. I don't think I caught that in previous viewings, but yesterday when I watched it, I was like, you're telling them explicitly to like have a romantic relationship with the daughters you know guys yeah exactly and then the other don't hands off keep your hands off it's crazy and you're like never mind that you're teaching them so you literally have to touch them whereas a waiter probably should and you know also like it's so easy to i don't know like this type of place doesn't exist anymore but like i feel like when i went to visit like yellowstone national park there was like tour guides like for kayaking or you know whatnot Mm -hmm. and they were all like young people like i would say like under 25 as at like most of them um it's like the olympic village in there like everybody's hooking up with everybody (laughs) and i can only imagine these hot dancers with these yeah like of course like rich daughters who they're for something like they gotta do something all summer so i like if this were a real place like there's no doubt in my mind that like everybody would be hooking up with the dance instructors because they're the hottest guys and like some of them are probably trying to snag like a harvard yale guy but if you're only there for the summer you're probably trying to get the hottest one and that's johnny (laughs) that's it is It is, but I wonder, like, the 60s, so Robbie's a total dick, the whole movie. His comment about some people count and some people don't. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Like, and it's then... It's pretty relevant. I mean, it's pretty poignant. Like, it seems like such a bro, like, you know, like, oh, my God, that guy's a dick. But I, uh, I did write that down, and I was like, wow, that's, like, the premise for so many political positions. Oh, yeah. It is, though. I mean, that, it, that it really is, is groups and outgroups. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because it's so like you said when you're watching this there's so many overt things they just called they just said it like and that line struck me as feeling that if i watch this at the time you're like okay well that was just like exposition i think it's implied that's how he thinks he didn't really have to say it like that but flash forward to now that's how our political sphere operates we're like no more are we wink nudge nudging like everybody's just putting it out there. some yeah. people count some yeah. people don't you know it's so messed up but and that's with Robbie. Well, and, you know, Lauren, to your point about everybody would be hooking up like the hot guys. But apparently this theme of classism in the movie is that would be considered slumming it mm. as Robbie states. And it's just crazy. Like there's certain people that are acceptable and certain people that aren't. It's just mind boggling. I mean, it, but yeah, it's like overtly said. So but but also in the movie, the entertainment staff. They they return the contempt. They hate these people. So there's, yeah. And like when they're having their, uh, like when baby first, which is carrying the watermelon, which is also such a good scene. Like we haven't talked about the but it's like no. so. I know. And it, baby cousin like drops it and catches yeah. it. It's beautiful. The opening it's of the doors. such a random like. But it's, it's so iconic. I feel like also for like fans of this movie. But when they, when she walks into their party and it's like much more fun than what she was doing it's so i feel like that is used so much the thing that i think of is always titanic when uh, yes. rose yes. cater goes to the third class party and it's so much better than uh, her dinner with kathy Bates. i feel like that's often a piece that's used in film uh and here it's like it's done in like a nice unique way because they're not they're also not like get out of here but they're not like 
building their party around her. Like this is because they want to hang out with each other. And like you said, Katie, they don't really want to spend time. They don't need to with these people. Well, not even that, but they're more concerned that she's going to get them in trouble. Like right, yeah. at, least, at least three times. Yeah. Like, what is she doing here? She, you know, she can be trusted all right. That's yeah. a whole theme, which again, super relevant. They're like, okay, I don't mind you being here, but don't fuck up our business. Yeah. Don't be a narc. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant, like d- directing choice of the camera work of when she enters that party and the way that they pan around to the different couples and them just gets through her eyes. Yes. What yes. we're shown. It's amazing because we're also just like immediately immersed in it. There is a little bit of shock value, but it's like in such oh. a great way. Like, damn, they are really this is really like they're grinding and this dancing is dirty yeah Yeah. it is dirty but it looks so fun yeah like you know what that shot reminded me of the opening the door and then suddenly mm -hmm. you're in her eyes as the wizard of oz and like opens the door and it turns from black and or sepia whatever to color color it's like you're getting pulled into like the world that she's seeing it which is pretty cool so that's true did you that's my film analysis well you guys are smarter you guys have a show that is that is a smarter show than mine so thank you for <laughs> elevating retro made <laughs> i could bring it back down <laughs> on that i that was one of my favorite scenes i think is that scene we're shown all these dance couples and they're all like have their own kind of style and i had a favorite dance couple did you guys ever when you were watching this like oh i like this couple the best which, who, who was it? Who was yours? It was the, they both have really dark hair and they're both thin. I don't know if they're Italian or something. Like they kind of have that look to them. And she has a skirt. They both have dark clothes on and she, it's almost like polka dots that the girl has on with the okay. short flowy skirt. Anyway, if anyone, if anybody listening, if this was your favorite dance couple, let me know. <laughs> I love it's a, it. I think I mean, it's, I'm reminded of a cha-cha in Greece. I feel like a little bit, but like some of the, the most, a lot of this actually like similar vibe and whatnot but there were a couple of times where i was like this does feel very grease adjacent to me and uh, the few of the couples in the that scene i was like yeah that reminds me of the, the dance uh, and obviously they're in high school so they get censored but in this place they can do whatever they want <laughs> yeah like 40 year olds playing high school yeah. students That's <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> still a thing now do people i caught note of this because we're american and people tend not to take a very long vacation here but they are there for three weeks. Did you guys think that was odd well, or is that? So I actually am, uh, I'm rewatching Mad Men. Mm. Uh, it like just happened to be, which is interesting. It was funny that they kind of lined up same, same time. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that it's actually, I mean, I still feel like people in New York City, at least like super like executives will just go to their shore houses for August. And now it's like, oh, I can work from home. But I feel like that's kind of always been a bit of a thing. Not in the way that like Europeans do, where like you're actually not expected to work. But there are some allowances that I think it's classist, but like for a certain yeah. level of corporate uh, employee that we just kind of totally. allow. So I was thinking that, uh, I don't know, like since he's a doctor, maybe it was like easy enough. And he seems like obviously very established doctor that uh, they can get away uh and i feel like in mad men they do basically they talk about how some of the younger executives are staying in the city for the month of august but nobody else is in town i think it's 63 the year that they're currently in so 
Uh, I feel Which like is it 30 actually dancing is 63. Yeah, years. it's the same yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like culturally, I think it probably was a thing for people of a certain class. Oh, for sure. Okay. And Jerry, yeah, yeah Jerry Orbeck's like it feels like I don't know if he works in the hospital, but well, he, he just got a doctor bag just, with him. Just, yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever. He ended up working on his vacation anyway. Yeah, so. he's just got the perfect medicine to like cure a botched abortion with one. Yeah, yeah. too. Love just that. <laughs> definitely has it in a little bag. Totally fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love that. Yeah. Uh, oh, the doctor bag. Did he play doctor on Golden Girls? No, for on Golden Girls. He was the second appearance of Dorothy's. Was married and would not break oh, up with his wife. Yep. Lover. Was he two men played that guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A gorgeous gym teacher. They talk about it because it's Alex Rocco for the first. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. Because she goes, a gorgeous gym teacher, and it just cuts to Blanche going, like shivering. (laughs) Oh, Blanche. I love it. But yeah, I guess they don't like really reiterate his profession when Jerry Orbach comes and plays, you know, him again. Mm -hmm. He does that perfect. Like, oh, one half of my block was Italian. We were, you know, one half was Irish. We took turns beating each other up after school, you know. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm confusing him with someone else who played a doctor, who came, like, with a doctor bag to help Sophia with something. Yeah, I, I know didn't... exactly who you're talking yeah. about. It's similar Elliot bag. Made, Elliot made a ship in the bottle. <laughs> I have a quite, like, a legit question. I was confused by, also one of my favorite scenes is the first dance that, johnny and penny do together they come in and they do the mambo and it's so hot like it's a really (laughs) great dance and she i just want to be like thrown around like a rag doll like she is with johnny (laughs) like she's such a tiny little thing too but why like people are super into it but max is pissed and he tells them to cool it or to cut it off and neil who's standing with babies says something like oh, I don't know why they're showing up together. That's not going to sell lessons. And like baby's like mesmerized by it. And I'm thinking, sure shit is going to sell lessons. So why, <laughs> like, what's their issue with it? Like they're a business. I don't I understand. Took it as, I took it as, and bear with me with this analogy here, because I'm in marketing. Okay. The nonprofit world. We, okay. Like, we, you know, like in, in nonprofits, like if you have a donation brochure and it looks like shit, you're, you know, like poorly designed, just kind of like really cheaply done. People are going to be like, well, you're not a serious organization, so I can give you money. But there was always talk of like, if you got a super sleek, really well designed scheme for money brochure, people are going to be like, you don't need the money because you're, oh, yeah. you're so well off, right? So I yeah. feel like he is probably arguing like there's this balance of like, if they look too good, none of the patrons are going to be able to see themselves as one of the partners. Oh. Like, there's not even a, like, a reason to take dance lessons. That's how I interpret Like, if they're too good, they basically box out their market because they're like, I'll never be like, but it's not I hadn't great. thought of that. So they have to be, like, good but approachable. Yeah, that's how I think of it. So. That makes sense. This has been the Marketing 101 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by... I don't know. What did you think, Lauren? I I didn't really think much about it. I think I think that sounds right. I also feel like there's so much like tension there, and like, nobody was. Which actually, there's yeah. as we know, there's actually not. But like that, people will be similarly put off by pursuing mm-hmm. it because they won't 
see themselves with either one of them. You mean they're them. coupled them? You mean like... Yeah. Okay. I think you meant tension but like between same, X and Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But same, I mean, same basic premise. Like they couldn't imagine themselves in there, so they're not going to want to do it. Right, um, right, but right. I don't know. I feel like it's... I, Katie, I agree. I feel like it's like, what, what do you mean? I feel like everybody's into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As she's standing there drooling. Yeah. Yeah, she legit is like a mouth agape. Like, yes. oh my god, what am? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And she's super jazzed to find out they're not a couple. No, I mean, who that. wouldn't be? Oh my, right? I can feel that exact scenario. You're like, amazing hot guy. Oh, fucking hot girl. Oh my god, they're not together. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just the progression like... of the like the roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> and so he's so nice to her. Double bonus. Yes. Oh, he's like Double her bucks. like big brother at this yeah. point. Yeah, that's exactly. It's awesome. Yeah, they did do a good job of because I could put myself in their shoes. Like this young romance that's totally. leading. And I thought they did a really good job of making it relatable to when everyone was young. And Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah that's the whole premise of the movie, right? What, it's like 25 years after that time period. What a perfect... We see this in movies all right hello the barbie movie oh, there's so much that's just a nostalgia play for the people that are at perfect age so i just love hitting the people in the 60s 80s being like remember yeah so nostalgia hit for sure i looked up how much 250 dollars for the abortion would be now 2500 dollars. that is kind of a lot like they wouldn't have that kind of money no totally and i will say i do love that Gary Orbach is just like, all right, somebody's in trouble. Like, I trust you. Like, you know, whatever. Obviously, that there's that unravels a bit, but uh, I think it's a testament to his character. And I think it makes it a little bit easier for the audience to feel a little bit uh, more conflicted when they're having their stuff and not just like, oh, he's being a jerk. You know, he's also going through it. Like, he's dealing with it himself. And he got tapped to like, save Can this we... girl's life. So, yeah, for real. Can we talk about that? The premise mm -hmm. that at least a third of me, if not more, hangs on is that Jerry Orb thinks that the guy who the pregnant girl is Johnny Castle. But watching it again, it's just like, you know, like you're screaming at a horror movie. You're just like, don't go behind the door. You're like, right now would be a perfect time to just say it. Just say it right Tell now. Him. Say that yeah, it wasn't. There were like Tell him right now. There were probably three points where Johnny could have, but I think it's showing. Yeah, I was so like, Johnny, just say it. It wasn't yours. Just say it right now. But I think it's supposed to show us how good of a guy he is. Yeah. That he's kind of taking it, you know, taking it because he's unselfish totally. in that way. I totally like why, but it is really funny because you're just like, you know, like, come on, man. There's there's so many great opportunities of life. And also to throw it in Jerry Orbach's face like you're making a judgment about me because I'm lower class and you think that mm -hmm. I did this because I'm trying to help this girl when in fact I am actually trying to help her because some other dickhead who is higher class did it you know? it's like there, I summarized the second half of the book yeah you did and but thankfully is... there was the payoff at the end when yes. thankfully yes. that was paid off when Robbie okay, but can I ask yeah. you about yes about... do you think that it was a little ham-fisted I don't know why Robbie even says anything. Why it does was Robbie because say he wouldn't have. He wouldn't what? have because he's dating the other sister. So he wouldn't like if I'm Robbie, I wouldn't announce that I knocked up somebody else if I'm dating that guy's daughter. And, and in the well, way I, where he's just like, I assume she told you. Just like, mm -hmm. 
I think he was thinking it of it as like this is what guys in our position do. Like oh, Robbie has yes. a picture of rich men just messing around doing whatever they want, what? and I think he was trying to relate to uh, Jerry Orbach as like you know what I mean, guy. You know, like whatever. So no, that's what girls, I think. Girls like that. Girls yeah. like that. They're you know, we've all been anybody. there. <laughs> yeah, we've all been Good there. Point. <laughs> totally ditched a woman who was left to die. Yeah, but money can solve it. Yeah. Okay. That checks out. That checks out. But yeah, to me, it was just like, why are you even saying this? And why are you saying it in a way that you have any relationship with baby where she would be like, there, there. I told my dad that makes sense. To me. Ugh, Robbie that, sucks. It totally sucks. Robbie does suck. <laughs> I forgot to write the book that he hands her when baby tries oh, to yeah. get the money for the abortion from her. It yeah. is a book. I forget the name of it, but it's basically. It the Fountainhead. Yeah. Oh. In and it's literally Ayn Rand. I was like, how fucking perfect. What? I wrote that down, of course. <laughs> yeah, so for listeners, it's a book about basically being a selfish dick. I mean, He's... you know, like, and that's, you should just it be is. worried about you and yourself. And that's, uh-huh. right? I mean, I don't Right know when to... he says some people count, some people don't. It is, I mean, it's yeah. literally the playbook for this very certain degree of libertarianism and just the American rugged individualism. Fuck anybody yours yeah, yeah it cool, is cool, cool. and so that's why that was also awesome baby pours her pitcher of water down his pants i don't know how she says it exactly but like f off you don't touch my sister i like yeah. it i like that yeah the trivia let's see what was this stat 39 percent of people who viewed this film did not realize that abortion was the topic of the subplot so like in 87, almost 40% of people didn't catch that Yeah, somehow. What did Those they are... I don't know, man. I Because it technically they don't actually say it, but it right. is so heavily implied. I don't know. I mean, I as like an eight-year-old didn't get it, but right. yeah. Yeah, I guess it depends I, you know, like the age group of who's polls because like, true. sure. Correct. But what else would happen to her where she's like Set. she can't dance like i feel like there's only one condition oh. a delicate condition yeah. jesus christ yeah and so up and, and single how dainty yeah. it is also she can very... only get the abortion on the one day that they're supposed to dance doctor <laughs> yeah. also i let's make fun of that a little because baby is like well i can just go help you and he's like yeah we need 250 dollars and she comes back and they're here she's like here's the 250 dollars they're like well it doesn't matter because we have the shell great gig and you're like well why didn't you say that in the first place i know well and bill <laughs> billy acts as like the exposition like both no, of those I know. times yeah yeah so <laughs> nobody's being helpful it is there funny was... right to look at it with a like, close with we're calling out all these lines that aren't those laughable but somehow they work oh yeah it's great these critiques are like because we're talking about it in this step. But when I was Correct. watching it, I was like, man, I, this movie is so good. It is. It's paced. I thought it was like perfectly yeah. paced. Nice length, too. I'm so tired yeah. of movies over two hours. I feel three like hours all Oscar movies are like, yeah, like mm. three hours now. Love a short movie. For sure. It was better even than I remember when I watched it. Like all the things, these people that didn't really know what they were doing put together a pretty awesome final product. And yep. the studio, oh, that in and of itself was something that Bergstein, she submitted her script to every studio and she kept getting re rejected. And finally, this was the studio. Drawn mm -hmm. is the name of the okay. studio. And they, ha this was their first feature film. 
everything Amazing. else had been ex- like direct to VHS. So they and they had like no budget. So yeah, so I, I thought it was pretty Patrick impressive. Swayze? I don't know. Nineteen eighty-seven. Well, partially because they wanted real dancers, mm-hmm. and t- so Lauren, when you said something about Footloose, your slumber party with Footloose and Flashdance, <laughs> the director wanted real. He didn't want do- body doubles for the actors Interesting. when they're because he actually noted both of those movies and so he said no i want the actors oh, to be real interesting. dancers yeah so patrick swayze by trade is like he's a legit professional dancer and i clearly jennifer gray wasn't but she penny was. was teaching <laughs> yeah. her fit the point. yeah fit the part <laughs> and penny... yeah that's interesting too because i i wonder if that's the first movie where they did that because i feel like that's been a thing like since I'm thinking it's Chicago, which I think was mm-hmm. 2001 or 2002, Rob Marshall, who was the director of that, he wanted all of the people in there to do their own singing and dancing. I think one to make the movie just you know pop a bit, but also like, then they're eligible more likely to win Oscars, which they did. Uh, so point. I think when you have something like that, it it does, even if people don't know or don't care, like, it goes a long way when you're critiquing or like, you know with the longevity of the respect of the movie. So that's really cool. I love that. That's awesome. I do think we're center stage with ballet dancers, so they were mm. one kind of ball. Yeah, I know Jennifer Beals did literally no dancing, but we still love her. Yeah, <laughs> we do. I'll have to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen that in forever. <laughs> we need them. Period. Did you guys see either of the that horrible Havana Nights movie? I think oh, I, I saw it once. It. Not great. I actually looked at. The Rotten Tomatoes for 30 Dancing is, like, I think it's in like the 70s, but for Havana Nights, I think it's like one. It's very low. Oh my and God. I like initially single digits. Yeah. I initially saw the tomato score for that. I was like, oh my God, I feel like that's not right. But then I realized it was Havana Nights and I was like, okay, yeah. I guess that's yeah. fine. Well, I didn't know that it was supposed to be a prequel. In the research, it shows it as a prequel because it's set in the 50s oh, in Havana. But it doesn't really make sense because classism is a theme in that movie, too. But if it was supposed to be a prequel, why would you have Patrick Swayze have a cameo as the dance instructor? And it just makes zero sense. I don't. They try to do that, though. I feel like they're like, you you see, it's like an Easter egg for the real ones. get it? (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember if the names were the same, even. At any rate, then there was also that 2017 musical almost like a mini series that ABC put on with Nicole Scherzinger, Deborah Messing, Abigail Breslin. They tried to kind of remake Dirty Dancing. Did you, I didn't see it, but there were a no. lot of famous people in it, but everyone hated it. <laughs> like they, they were like, this is like blasphemy almost, you know, uh, like don't. Yeah. And I agree that there are it. certain movies don't touch Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Just leave it alone. Yeah. We don't need it. You don't need to do anything with it. We don't, but there are still talks with a tentative release in 2024. I just, a sequel. with Jennifer Grey, I think is supposed to be in it. Cause I was yeah. just in her wiki and I saw that and I was like, huh? Okay. That I guess. Sure. Like if there's an original cast person, it feels a little better to me, but I similarly, I personally don't need it, but maybe some people will be into it. We'll see. I'll give it a chance, I guess. Top yeah, Gun, people win nuts for Top Gun. That's true. And people just 
even if the movie's not great, they'll make money because people are curious to see what they totally. do about it. Totally. True. That's what I think about all these, where it's mm-hmm. very rare that like, one of those sequel movies is actually rated fairly highly. I mean, I, Top Gun got good marks. Yeah. But, like, you have to really do it. Yeah, or you, you have do. to do it as, like, an homage continuation, like a Jurassic World to a Jurassic mm-hmm. Park type of thing. Like, right, that's true. You just really have to, you have to be careful. This intellectual Agreed. property is very treasured to many people. Yeah. So, for sure. Lenore apparently has stated in some articles that she knows what happened. So the movie ends and we just, it ends. And we don't really know what if Baby and Johnny ever see each other again. We don't really know. But she apparently knows what happens after the credits rolled. But she's not telling. So that's probably what the sequel is going to be. From Jennifer Grey, from Baby's point of view, she's probably telling her daughter. They go on a vacation and... Yeah, that feels very accurate. (laughs) Yeah, right. She's like sort of Titanic-esque. Yeah, they just like go back to the Catskills in there. (laughs) Can we talk about the relationship between Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey? Yes. So the the tabloid headlines from this movie is that (laughs) they hated each other. I will say, listen, I've done surface level research. So if somebody out there, Kate, if you have like way more actual like nitty gritty information, please correct me. It appears that like they both were together in Red Dawn. They have Mm -hmm. worked together previously. And Patrick Swayze was kind of method acting, being just very gruff and militaristic on set, which made Jennifer Grey uncomfortable. So they already got off on the wrong foot there. And in the movie, there were like frustrating parts, right? Like the, there's a famous part where he does the whole thing down her arm like and this. she giggles. Yeah, yeah she giggles because yeah. it tickles her. Right? And he's mm-hmm. so frustrated. You watch his face. He's just like, come on, we're trying to train for this thing. You know? Well, apparently that was happening in real life. It was like, however many takes, she just giggled every time. And he was so fucking pissed. <laughs> but they left yeah. it in the movie. <laughs> and then they finally like, nailed the last shot. Well, it's so funny, one, because... As you mentioned earlier, you know, in this episode, the uh, the Golden Girls spoof, and they spoof that with Blanche running her arm down Betty White's arm. That's <laughs> and she right, laughs. That's right. right. That's perfect. I love it. But also related to the Golden Girls and also related to Betty White, this whole like drama headline coming out of them hating each other, quote unquote, just really reminds me of another drama headline just meant to stir the pot. Betty White and B. Arthur hated each other on the Golden Girls. And I think in both cases, to me, a full outsider who has never met any of these people nor worked on either of their sets. I really feel like it's this overblown thing because we love mm-hmm. cuts like this. Oh, for sure. And it wasn't hate so much as like they just weren't getting along nearly as well as their on-screen counterparts. For instance, it was almost kind of the same thing. B. Arthur was annoyed at Betty White on set because Betty White would always make jokes about everything, play games and like, do all these pranks and things. And like, it was like, enough already you know it's the same idea i'm a serious actress yeah yeah so to me i'm trying to reclaim both these stories Um, yeah it sounds really fun and enticing to say they hated each other but i really don't think it was like this bitter hate it was just like we don't get along and that's fine we're both professional actors all four of us and we're gonna do the job and actually we're really such good actors that you know like our on screen in one case falls in love and in another case our best friends I mean, it's like the chemistry. That's my take. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. I fully agree that the fodder was probably overblown, but it is. They didn't have the best experience. I had read that he really had to talk her into it. Patrick wanted 
Jennifer Grey in the movie. So he had to kind of convince her to come on. And then she had later said, you know, so maybe they didn't love each other, but as professionals, they can recognize because she had later said she wouldn't have trusted anyone else other than Patrick to have those scenes with. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like anybody who has to have coworkers. Like, yeah, you don't have to be best friends with your coworkers. But if there's somebody, you know, who's a really great designer, you probably want them on your project, even if you're not a big fan of theirs personally. So I'm sure it's very similar. That's very fair. Exactly. Yeah. To get the best art. You can get the best players. That's perfect. So, yes, thank you. I'm glad we cleared that. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's legit. The other thing is about the stunts and them doing the actual dancing. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Patrick Swayze, but I read his book recently that he wrote with his wife and there's literally nothing this man can't do. And he has an injury from like high school football with for his knee. And so in a lot of his movies, he'll do his own stunts, but then he pays for it and he has to have his knee drained and have procedures done while like every night. To what? alleviate the fluid buildup on his knee. And so in Dirty Dancing, doing his own stunts, like that log scene, he kept falling. Oh. And obviously, the final scene where he jumps off the stage and does his the dance in the aisle. So those were scenes yeah. that he's like, I don't want to do very many takes of this because my knee can't handle it. But he had to have fluid wow. drained from his knee on a regular basis filming. Wow. Jeez. Well, I was also, I mean, just like a lift. I love figure skating as a oh, sport to watch. And they, I feel like they've talked a lot about how the lift, obviously it looks so easy, but if you think about holding anything above your head, it's so difficult. And I was thinking about him doing his own stunts. Like that just takes such tremendous strength all over your body, like obviously upper body, but that I'm sure in and of itself, like such a big risk for his injury, Um, but just like truly display of pure strength and athleticism that I feel like you watch it and you're like, yeah, that's cool. But like, okay. But the physical exertion required to do that is like really something. And he holds her up, right? I feel like a yeah. lot of times people like mock or they do like a spoof on this. I've seen, can't tell you how many times in bars on Halloween. Yeah, every time you're in a dress. pool when you're a kid. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? But like people will do it and they'll like catch a person and pick them up and then put them. You know, yeah. I've never like just seen really it quick. IRL. Yeah. yeah. Of like, hold, he holds her there for so long and she's stiff as a board. Right. So and it's her too. Be I mean, harder. that's like abs. Oh yeah. On her no, part, exactly. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. She's literally like just plank. Above. Yeah. Both of them. So athletic. It's and pretty awesome. It's great. You guys, did you, I like noted there's a, at the very end when everybody's happy, you know, after the final scene, they do their dance and <laughs> she does the lift because she doesn't do it at the Sheldrake. And then later they're just kind of in the, everyone's dancing in the aisle and it's just the two of them together. And from a standstill, not even like a jumping from a standstill, he just slowly lifts her up over his head. Oh, man. And even if she's what, maybe 120 pounds max, yeah. that's a lot to just yeah. like, that's so I know. crazy strong. Yeah. He is magical. He is. Now, I would recommend you guys watch Skate Town USA. I did an episode of it a few back where it's actually his very first role ever. It's 1979, I think. It's a terrible roller disco movie, but it's hilarious because there's tons of famous people in it. Anyway, it's basically dirty dancing on skates. So he does Love all that. this really. <laughs> You, I think I'm you guys in. would like it because he looks really good in it too. But 
Love it. It's basically dirty dancing on skates. So all of the impressive dancing and lifting, but on skates. To your point about figure skating. It's yeah, no, impressive. I love that. <laughs> also, yes. can we talk about the mom? Yeah, hell yeah, let's talk about the mom. Well, let's <laughs> talk Kelly about Bishop. the mom, Lauren. Kelly yeah. Bishop? I love Kelly Bishop. Go for it. I mean, Where, that's it. She, she's great. I think she's, she's yeah. like, she just doesn't do anything until the final pivotal moment. No. Yeah, I know. And I actually think like, it's interesting because I don't know, Katie, if you have seen Gilmore Girls, but she plays the mom in Gilmore Girls and she's this like, very snobby, like daughters of the American Revolution. I can see that. Like, Super I rich. I actually haven't seen it, but yeah. Like, is so Ben Samelia in it? She too? plays like yeah. the grandma. Yeah, he's like the friend. She's Rory's grandma. She's Lauren Graham's mother. Right, okay. Um, And so the whole premise of the show is basically Emily Kelly Bishop and her husband have this tremendous wealth that um, Lauren Graham needs access to for her daughter. So she has to reconcile and there's like, it's three Gilmore girls, really. It's the mom, Lauren Graham, and But anyway, she's such a strong character and Kelly Bishop is so, so good in that role. It's so funny. And actually, Emily is like one of my favorite characters. I think she's is like obviously like hilariously like mean, (laughs) like bad. So it was interesting because I feel like her character is so muted for much of this movie until the very end. And even that is like, it's so small, but I love the actress so much that I felt like I was really had my eyes on her when she was on the screen. Uh, And I like them as a couple a lot. I feel like they really look nice together. And at the end Mm -hmm. when they're dancing together, it's very cute. Like, I think it's good casting. You know, what's funny about that casting is that she wasn't originally supposed to play the mom. Well, was, yeah. So she was originally cast as the Vivian role, like the, I could see the that. bungalow I could bunny. See that and the person who was cast as Marjorie fell ill that like the first week of filming, and so they they recast her with Kelly Bishop, hmm. and then that's when the other gal, her, whose name is escaping me, plays came in plays Vivian. Yes, yeah, plays Vivian, and that. Kelly Bishop is actually only like 12 and 14 years older than Jennifer Grey and the actress playing Lisa, like in real life. Yeah, she doesn't look that. That makes sense. I feel like they try to like age her with like the costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. But that totally checks out. <laughs> I haven't seen her in anything else other than this. So I might have to check out Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth a watch. I think it's like the dialogue is delivered in like we're just talking about seriously. It's delivered in like a very yeah. It's like literally super, talked like, about last. Yeah, uh, oh. Aaron Sorkiny with like some like trying to be uh, I don't know like the pop cultural references are like really the show creator wants you to know that she like knows about music. So oh, it's like throughout. Okay. So it can be okay. a bit off putting to some people. Uh, but I I watched it actually during peak pandemic. My partner is really into it, and I had seen it, and I'd be like, this is I do not like this show. But at the time, I had nothing to do besides watch TV. And I did really get into it. And now I feel the like, nostalgic pull. And I've probably seen it all the way through three times. Uh, oh. But Kelly Bishop, Emily, is uh, definitely stands out as one of my personal favorites. Even though okay. she's bad. <laughs> so that's the thing. She's such a great actress. And like I just felt, I felt her absence in much of the movie because it's such a dad and daughter-driven yeah. vehicle. Or yeah. I guess to be more clear, it's like this family of four alliance where like where you were saying before you know her sister's not really the villain but she is for lack of a better term basic right and she wants what is a traditional path forward for her at that time right and she's not gonna rock the boat and she is presented as not as smart 
And it's almost like this inside joke between baby and her. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're different and it's cool. So it, in the scene when they're playing golf and she asks them for the money and that whole thing we were talking about before, it's like, you know, the mom's like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, it's cool. I took care of it. You know, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, so I, I was kind of for the mom, especially when she comes through at the end, because she presents mm-hmm. as like, I've known this whole time, like, what's what and what's going Good on. Good point. Best for my mm-hmm. daughter. And three quarters of the movie more she's sort of played as like the counterpart to the other sister who's more aloof so that's a, that's a vibe yeah. that i got from it i was really happy she got that moment at the end to be I like agree. dear sit down dear yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's so, so great because early i mean in my mind though was... it's funny like she's just like he's really hot let her go yeah i mean live vicariously well because she <laughs> yeah. does with lisa yeah, so hold, Lisa's oh my God. only interested oh. in getting married, and so that she you're is, right, so she is the counterpoint. Or yes, so she's, oh well, it's uh, what's with all this rain? I can't have my wedding with Robbie, who I just met. Yeah, in Niagara Falls. Right. So you go to Acapulco. Yeah, yeah. So it's like crazy. Such a yeah. bit of relief. Exactly. Yeah, she does, play and it's that part. Uh, it's like it's played in that way. Like I'm offended on the part of the mother heterosexual relationship that they have where they keep things from each other like don't worry about it dear i took just like wait what don't you want to know what's going on with your other daughter what the no i won't tell your mother yeah 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 you know like it's just it makes me roll my eyes because i'm just like guys there's a lot of communication issues here vacation might be nice time to solve them 1963 what do you want from these people yeah exactly <laughs> yes exactly. i guess i guess the rich doctors yeah but it's, girl. Yeah. they do call her baby <laughs> that's true which is strange quite diminutive yes yeah so speaking of the ages i feel like this gets made fun of a lot we're all like yeah don't put baby in a corner but have you seen these memes like yeah i don't want my daughter to go be with some dude who looks like he's 40 yeah, but in reality, there he. I haven't is seen 35. that, but that's pretty great. He's thirty-five. It's, okay, I'm getting it wrong. I'm getting it wrong, but it's something to that effect. So Patrick Swayze in this is actually thirty-five, playing his character is supposed to be twenty-five-ish. So he's okay, you know, okay. And she fair game is supposed to be like eighteen-ish, probably or somewhere around there. And Jennifer Grey was twenty-seven, so we have a twenty-seven and a thirty-five-year-old playing. Eight, you know, eighteen and twenty-five year olds. So I thought that was still not still not as terrible as Greece. Greece, they just look real. Yeah, old. legit forty. Yeah, yeah Sunny's thought, like forty-five years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's. I mean, I feel like though, for especially even like in the eighties and stuff. Like I was just talking about an interview with a vampire with Kirsten Dunst, and mm-hmm. uh, I think Brad Pitt. I forget which one she has like the romantic with but it's inappropriate no matter what oh, yeah. it is mm-hmm. like it to is. have at least jennifer gray's older playing younger whereas yeah. i feel like there was also a weird trend where it was like well i think juliette lewis has a romantic relationship with somebody when she's 16 playing somebody 16 and the actor's like 26 or something like that so like i'll just say fear? was it cape fear yeah cape fear yeah, yeah you're totally like right that. yeah that's you know cast them Cast an adult. <laughs> like, wolves has been reality for a bit. It's like... Yeah, it's kind of gross. Exactly. Yeah. For, for sure. But they look like... I would buy that he was 25. I feel like that Same. feels... 25 presents differently now than it did then. And 
Similarly with her, I feel like she looks... I don't think she looks 18 because she looks like an adult to me, but I feel like the way that 18-year-olds are portrayed at the time, like that's, I think that's totally believable. Agree. I agree. And even I, there's a progression of her innocent look in yeah. the movie. And then progressively she starts to look more grown up and she wears makeup and her hair looks underwear. better. Yeah. 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 I was like, put some where shorts she's on. Just her underwear. I was like, what's this thing? What? Yeah. This is amazing. But her, her abs are so, like, her body is just so, it's like healer too, which is actually yeah. nice because I feel like this is right before probably heroin chic and like super, super totally. thin was like thing. It was, right? Yep. And her, her body is like a dancer's body. It's like fit. It doesn't feel like she's just like, you know, a stick. And a waif. All bodies are beautiful, but like, it's nice to see very toned person that I wouldn't call her a normal size person because she's certainly not no. but like different picture of women that I feel like that's, are about to come <laughs> that's such a good call out because I had thought it was interesting that Patrick Swayze is so skinny he's got the mm -hmm. dancer's body for a man right he's obviously muscular but in the way that like a beefcake dude would be portrayed <laughs> if he was like a Chris Hemsworth or whatever you know mm -hmm. there's no way like his waistline is like half a month like it's, yeah. Oh, I highly doubt that. But <laughs> but I mean, but still, I mean, whatever. Maybe the yeah. the screen cameras were. I was struck by how skinny he was, only because of what I am thought of as like a traditional like leading man macho portrait. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where he was like skinnier. So, so I like his look. It's like a natural. He's. I wouldn't say it's skinny. He's like a normal framed man. That's just yeah. very toned like there's no yeah. fat he is yeah he's fat. like lean and lean strong yeah. it's the yeah. it's the lean yeah. piece that's what i'm saying yes yeah. but i think hollywood would want him to bulk up and feel like oh he has a for shirt sure sure to be like much more of that macho kind of thing. yeah yeah and there was just so much that's just like these are these people yeah <laughs> well that's i'm glad you i'm glad you pointed out baby's body as well because i think yeah i was like dang she's really petite she's short too Mm -hmm. But then next to Penny, I, yeah. well, first of all, I thought Penny, I loved all of her outfits. I just am a big fan oh, yeah. of Penny. Yeah. But I, several times, even as a kid, I remember being jealous of how skinny she was. Like, how, oh, that's how yeah. it makes us. Yeah. But I, the scenes where they have Baby and Penny dancing together, I'm like, holy, Baby is very thin. And then Penny is yeah. so much thinner that it's. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, because she's, I mean, she is, like, the costuming on her, I agree. Her clothes are so cool. Everything she's in, I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. that's such a cool outfit. Uh, but it's an interesting, you think about uh, the level of athleticism and fitness, as we were just talking about, like, being a dancer. Like, if you're too thin, I mean, ballet, I guess, is, like, a certain style of dance that requires a certain style of uh, body. But, like, this type of dancing, you have to be skiller for uh, and I just think it's nice to, yeah, to kind of see that mm -hmm. portrayed in a way. It's nice to see both. I think, God forbid, we get like a normal sized person on in the movies at this time. So we have to take what we can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, she is very thin. And honestly, Kelly Bishop, too, is very, very thin. I mean, yeah, everyone was. I just noticed because Cynthia Rhodes was an actual dancer. And she's taller. You can tell that she's. She's a yeah. dancer too. So it was, I loved all the scenes that she dances in. I was always so jealous. I want to do that, <laughs> especially with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. I know, right? And because he's a, actually a trained dancer, in the movie, he's not supposed to be a professional. 
So they had to have him tone down his dancing ability. Oh, interesting. Wow. Really? That's funny. That actually too good. Can I insert a Lucille Ball anecdote here? Please uh, do. She, she was always training so hard for everything. She worked so hard to every single detail right behind all of her shows. On I Love Lucy, there was an episode where she needs to pick back the saxophone. And she had basically, the writers wrote this in because Lucy herself was like, I used to play the saxophone. Like, oh, we should work that in somehow. And she wasn't good. She had to pick up the saxophone behind the scenes. <laughs> but she practiced all the time throughout the whole week from a script to like filming that at the end they were like, you're too good. The whole script hinges on you not being good. You need to stop practicing oh, wow. so much because she was like over practicing and she got really good throughout the whole week and they were like you're not supposed Lucy, to see this is the whole point yeah it was kind of hilarious so i love that. like tone it down you're too good for this camp yeah we don't like, we don't buy it yeah i know <laughs> so funny that's great speaking of this little summer experience right at the end can we talk about like the wistful camp owner where he has this like, feels like it's all slipping away it's ending oh Oh, Isn't that, that interesting? was interesting. I feel like that's also that sort of nostalgia play, right? For the, the audience who were this age at the time, who remember this experience. And it's like, you know, it, I really appreciated that it didn't sound, at least it didn't to me, feel like a trope of like, the good old days are gone. It was a really poignant, it was unexpectedly deep moment between the guy and his like longtime, you know, compatriot you know mm -hmm. piano player they Tito. had like yiddish mm -hmm. in there too i mean it was like it was awesome it was very of the time and of that scene and i just i thought it was interesting and of course it tied in where it's like oh and the kids love dirty dancing this is all okay you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah. it was I certainly predicted you know what was happening anyway so really interesting that is a good point. And I, because I'm getting older, I find myself saying stuff like kids these days, like <laughs> basically that, but not that exactly a lot now. So that's why I have RetroMade. I like to go back to the 80s and 90s. <laughs> the it's yeah. your time travel show. It's your time yeah. travel show. Exactly. It totally I think it's, is. you know, I think it's important to appreciate that nostalgia play. And obviously, as we all get older, like we all like, have these memories and it's useful because things do change. And obviously, the world has changed quite a bit from this whole scene but i just i really like the way they it felt natural put it in there even though you know, we only saw bits and pieces of you know mr director which i also love the very beginning where he's like if you're if it wasn't for your dad i'd be standing here dead dead <laughs> he has that. a very specific way of speaking that sort of i like it somehow like it works for the movie it makes like really everything funny i feel yeah. like everything he yeah, says yeah. Is funny. <laughs> uh, yeah i know I did like you that. guys it's a good touch did you guys hear of anybody who was you know there's always casting what ifs like audition didn't make it were you aware of any for dirty dancing no no do you have some so there's, yes, there's actually like a little bit of a debate about what's true and what's not true. But Billy Zane and Sarah Jessica Parker auditioned for the leads. I could see wow. that. Oh, as did Sharon Stone. But obviously they didn't get it. Huh. And there was talk about Val Kilmer being offered the role of Johnny. I feel like he's he would not be. This is that is not right. But he does feel Kurt Russell, Patrick Swayze adjacent yes! to me. Yes, yeah. I, as you said that, Good I was call. like, oh, he's got the same kind of face, too. Boom. Yeah, he mm -hmm. kind of does. And they all have a similar coloring, too. Like that yeah, tan. totally. Yeah. 
like like uh, Sandy, like yeah. I feel like yeah, that's so fun. And then the camp, the, the board at Vestron wanted Pia Zadora to play baby, and then somebody else wanted this. I found wild, Mindy Cohn, but she was unavailable. Like she didn't even. It wasn't that she tried out and didn't make it. She was unavailable. Natalie from the Facts of Life. Yeah. Wow. Imagine. Wouldn't that have been different? Yeah. This is why you have to have creatives, man. You can't have these bored people just at their whim. Yeah. Lauren, they writers. Been everybody, like yeah. a regular bodied person. It would have been yeah. true. Yeah. And I also love the Facts of Life. So I would have been. Oh, my God. Them. That's one of the best. <laughs> one of the best. Oh, Facts of Life. I have another line. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna about. come. This is like me and Lauren's format, right? We're just like, what else did you have in your notes that we yeah. haven't talked? about? What yeah, else do you I, guys have? What do we? I cover? do the last thing. I just want to talk about Jerry Orbach for a second. Obviously, it's complicated. He's portrayed and is mostly like a great guy. He's got that little dad thing about you know, pull of his daughter growing up. Maybe you shouldn't call her baby, etc. But I really appreciate the specific direct call out at the end where he goes, "What I'm wrong." I say I'm wrong. Yes. That was extremely refreshing to hear from this, the character who is supposed to be this very rich, privileged, macho, everything that you could, that like to say that out loud seemed extremely refreshing. Yeah, it was great. I would have loved, and I'm sorry, that could have used a real apology. But, uh, you know, I'll take what I can get. I agree. Yeah. I did like that a lot. And I feel like Patrick Swayze, Johnny seemed very satisfied. And like we were talking about his self-esteem. I feel like it meant a lot to him to have this, uh, you know, sort of like unspoken blessing again with uh, Jerry Orbach. Yes. Like, you look wonderful out there. Like, that's, a, that's oh, what we're getting. Yeah. You know, it's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. He really wants that like arm around him like he did for Rob, but we'll get there yeah he's got a that maybe that's like a daddy issue that johnny's working through (laughs) i think so so. yeah a little tidbit that listeners of retromade might like because there's a point break tie-in did you guys see point break i love point break so good it really is and he plays a very different like he played yeah like a sociopathic dude (laughs) but apparently so in dirty dancing patrick swayze's character drives a 1957 chevy and in Point Break, he says, when he's referring to Keanu Reeves' surfboard, he refers uh-huh. to it. He says, it looks like a 57 Chevy I used to have. So it's wow. like a little... Oh, oh yeah. That's, hey, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a really sweet time. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I think we haven't talked about is like, especially for of the time, right? Um, where What's-His-Name mentions freedom riding in the South. Well, I was sort of surprised because it's from a character that we're not really supposed to like yes but it yeah i thought that was so fascinating because i I was like where is this guy going because he's clearly from the he's like a total dickhead right and i don't know if that was supposed to be like a posturing thing or just because that's what ivy league dudes in the north do you know like white people you know or it was like like all of a sudden like a thing yeah i'm not really sure Uh, it was kind of interesting though get an in with baby because he knows that's something a baby would do because she's going to be going possibly he score so i that's that true. was i noted that as well i'm like oh that's an interesting comment from neil yes, yeah i do exactly. think it's the ivy league thing though because again in mad men actually the one guy currently brings up that he went to princeton he also does it and i was like i wonder what that's about this guy like has relatively progressive views it's it, like so out of context like it is here 
Uh, but I think it also, in addition to that, I think it's meant to also like, hammer home the historical setting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because the same thing I saw a little bit with what we were talking about with the director being like, oh, this is the end of everything and whatever. Because 63 is like, I feel like often pointed to 63 and eight of like years America lost innocence, you know? I think it's, uh, there's like a historical significance that is, again, like, which I really think is smart on the part of filmmakers. Like, it's present. It's not a huge theme. You can watch this movie and just be like, I just love the dancing. I love the couple. I don't, like, care about anything else going on. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for it, it's there, which I also, I just think is, uh, you know, it's impressive to be able to do that. You're right. It is subtle in a really good way, in a guiding way. It has that nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it doesn't interrupt things. While they- There's a lot of that throughout the movie that, like you pointed, if you're looking for it, but... Which makes the movie more impressive to me. It's not just a superficial, fun dance movie. Yeah. There's actually some real stuff in there. Yeah. And you can like, see it or not see it, which I yeah. also think is great. Because it's like mm-hmm. sometimes you don't want, like, you literally just want to watch Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey dancing and like that's yeah. available to you. But if you're looking for, so even having abortion as like a, a plot point, that's 40% big... of people don't want to see it. Right. They, yeah. know. they just like don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they did try to convince Eleanor Bergstein to take it out. Wow, uh, good I, for her for keeping yeah, it in. Yeah, she refused. Totally. She refused. She's like, no, no, we're keeping it in. Yeah. Love that. Then what's the movie, girl? Yeah. I know. There's no need for Baby to step in without it's, it. Yeah. She just needs her, like, wisdom teeth out or something. They could change it. <laughs> Some, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Some other operation by a drive-by doctor. Oh, oh my this goodness. This was so exciting. It was, it was a really fun rewatch. I'm, like, so excited that it really, it does hold up, and it's mm-hmm. such a lovely movie on many levels. Yeah, and I, I also, I want to say that I think Retrograde is so great. And as you said, like, it's fun to like, go back, but it's really, I don't know. I think there is something to be said for going back with like, the lens of 2023, but also like some forgiveness of the time, which I feel like you mm-hmm. have to do if you're going to be looking at things to. from this time. Uh, and it's fine to critique it. Doesn't mean you don't love it. You, in fact, should. But, but I don't know. I feel like you have in the episodes that I've listened to you and like on this, you've always done a really good job with balancing that um and so it was just so great to be able to do this with you so thank you (laughs) oh my god you guys are just the best (laughs) i mean wrapping up dirty dancing like i said people if you haven't seen it in a while you owe it yourself to give it a rewatch it's really great on and for the soundtrack alone just go by the soundtrack maybe so and i would very much like to remain in this time period for a while or this world for a while but alas we do have to return unfortunately to the present day until the next retro made episode so thank you for <laughs> that great segue i thank you guys for joining me on this fantastically awesome rewatch and like i said for me it's one of the best movies ever made i have a serious question i know you guys have mentioned on your show because you're in the seventh season of golden girls yes and you've mentioned that you're not going to be covering Golden Palace, which I just recently watched for the first time ever. So I'm like, is there something I can do to twist your arm? Or do you have other planned projects when Golden Girls is over? What's next? Nothing currently planned. Nothing currently planned. I was going to make a joke, which might end up being a reality that we could just do the guest circuit on every other. We are available. I feel like... (laughs) It feels like, uh, you know, we're just like some celebrity retires and then all of a sudden they're on all the game shows. So, I love you know, that. It's kind of great. 
But no, nothing now. But like, you know, if you listen to us and you know us, nothing is out of out of the realm of possibility. So. Well, good. Well, because if you're taking requests, if you're taking requests, no. I'm like, you do the nanny. I do love the hot. nanny, Katie. I know. I I've heard you say <laughs> it. Do hot in Cleveland. Like, I so, love hot so, Cleveland. Yeah. So good. Please. That's my request. So I just love your show so much. Tell everybody if there's other projects that you're current, either of you are currently working on that you'd like to direct people to. And just you guys, Enough Wicker is the best Golden Girls <laughs> podcast out there. No, thank Where you else so can much. people find you? On the web. Yeah, on the web at enoughwicker.com. We're also on Instagram at enoughwicker and Twitter at enoughwicker. Although, as we said in our last episode, we haven't been so present on social media, but we're definitely there. You You can certainly reach us there. And yeah, we don't have any podcast projects lined up for when this ends, but Sarah has a pretty big project that will actually be featured on the podcast probably a little bit later in the summer slash fall. So, Sarah, you want to? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. So I gave a little Lucille Ball tidbit because I have written a biography of Lucille Ball. It's called AKA Lucy, the dynamic and determined life of Lucille Ball It's written by me, which, you know, should be enough of a draw. But the real draw is that Amy Poehler wrote the foreword for the book. Um, yeah, and it's, you're famous. famous. Enough wicker got me there. But I think what's really exciting about this project is that, yes, obviously Lucille Ball, she has been, dead for some time in fact she will die two years after dirty dancing is released but it's there have obviously been several biographies about her she has her own autobiography this isn't a project that's meant to like unearth some unknown factor but rather packaging her life in a way that hasn't really been done before particularly in a more visual way and it's interesting fans of enough wicker i think if you read the book will not some of the scholarly analysis and inputs dissect a little bit her saying that she's not a feminist, but how feminist she is. I'm talking about like what exactly about her makes her so funny and endearing and like long lasting as an idol. So it's really exciting. So October 10th, 2023, you can pre-order now. You can go to sarahroyal.com is the easiest way or use the Googles or your Bing or whatever and type in K.A. Lucy by Sarah Royal and you can order from, personally prefer if you order from your local independent bookstore. Yes, you can agreed. also give more money to Bezos and whoever else. You got to save Barnes want. and Noble though. Without Barnes and Noble, it's only Amazon. There I you go. An That's right. bookstore, but I do my, my That's spot. right. No, it's true. Barnes and Noble is in there as well. So there's, I yeah, can't it's, wait. It's been an exciting October's, project. October's it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Right I can't wait corner. to read it. I Thank do not you. wait. I'm very excited. If you follow along enough wicker again, we'll be sort of preaching it there too, but Sarah E. Royal on Instagram, I'll be posting like a little mini book tour. So if you happen to live in cities where it might be, I'll let you. <laughs> that is fantastic. And listeners, or if you're watching on YouTube, I can't thank you enough for listening or watching. Please share the show with other nostalgic nerds so that we can all reminisce together. You can do that on the YouTube channel of Retromade or via the share functionality on whatever podcast app you use. Until next time, be kind, rewind.